0: Amen. Well, it's good to see each of you this morning in the Lord's house and uh, pray that you've had a good week. And uh, I had a great week until yesterday. You know what happened yesterday, don't you? It was Saturday and I got stung by five yellow jackets. They just loved me. They were looking for honey and they found me. And they took out their hunger and their thirst on me those dirty little bees, but anyway uh, God is good. He has a purpose for even the little yellow jackets. Uh, yesterday I was wishing they their purpose did not include me but anyway, we are here up and ready to go this morning. If you have your Bible turn with me to Psalm 1 Psalm chapter one right in the beginning, the very first psalm I want to uh, talk to you, man those two songs that we were talking about. Uh, God, He's still God, and He's still good, and then talking about the goodness of God reminds me of our message that we were talking about last uh, Sunday, in the fact that the Lord is what? Say it again, He's what? Oh, He's good. He's good. He's greatly to be praised, and... uh, uh, I was excited about last week's message, and I uh, pray you uh, had the opportunity to listen to it if you weren't able to be with us. I know this is one of the greatest things that I've seen, and you'd say, this is going to be kind of a weird statement. I'm happy to see people taking vacation, because it beats the alternative. You remember, we spent a whole year shut in, and so I'm excited that people are able to get out and, and see their loved ones and see grandpas and grandmas and be able to do those things. And I know grandpas and grandmas are excited as well. And uh, But anyway, it is good that you have the opportunity to go away and uh, come apart, you know, and take a couple of days to unwind and whatnot. Uh, but it is also good when you come back from vacation that you gather with your uh, church family in worship. And so let's see what the Lord has for us today. In Psalm chapter 1, Beginning in verse 1, it's a very short psalm, and so we will read it together. Verse 1 says, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season." His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. But watch this. But the ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind driveth away. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you the opportunity to be here today. God, we thank you for the fact that you are holy, you are good, you are just, you are kind, you are merciful, you are full of grace. God, we thank you for the fact that you loved us so much that you sent your son to die for our sins. God, we thank you for the opportunity that we get to sing about the, the, the goodness of God and Lord the fact that you are good all the time even even in the difficult seasons of life you are still good and certainly Lord we have some of our church family that are hurting and certainly this morning I think of the Byler family I just pray that you would be with the entire family with the loss of the granddaughter there and God that you would just be with Jeffrey and his wife and God that you would just draw them close to you during this time Lord we think of other ones who have been dealing with health problems and facing, facing uh, surgeries and and upcoming procedures, Lord, I pray that you'll just encourage each one, God, that you'll be with doctors and caregivers as they provide the care that they're able to do through your wisdom and, and your gifting. Lord, I pray that you'll meet with us in a very special way today, God, that you'll speak through your word, God, that you will uh, draw our hearts closer to you and certainly closer to one another during this time, and that, Lord, that we might uh, be receptive to what you have for us today. And God, that we might go away from this place not only encouraged and blessed, but God, that we would go away from this place challenged. God, in our journey of faith, that we might bring you honor and glory and that you might be pleased with our lives. Lord, I pray that if there's somebody in this room or somebody that's watching that doesn't know Christ as their Savior, if they've never entered into that relationship with you through Jesus, God, I pray that today, That would be the day. This would be the day that they realized their need and that they would call out upon the name of the Lord for the forgiveness of sin. God, I pray again that you'll be honored and glorified by what's said during these next few moments of time. And we'll be careful to give you the praise and the honor and the glory for it all. In Jesus' precious name and for his sake, I pray. Amen and amen. Well, again, it's good to see you, and you guys, come on in. Those that are coming in, uh, certainly excited to have you, and we're going to jump right in here. If you're a note taker, I want to talk to you about two roads, two results, and two realities. Two roads, two results, and two realities, and if you look with me at verse number six, right away, I want you to see uh, that because of what Scripture is saying, we're presented in verse six with two roads. It's two roads right here, and, or you could say two options, two choices or whatever, but the two roads are very plain here in verse number six. Look, the Bible says, For the Lord, for the Lord knoweth the way. Now that word way, you're going to see a lot of times where we speak of the ways or the way. That, that word way literally means road or course of life. And so it says, For the Lord knoweth the way, the road or the course of life, of the righteous... So he knows it. In fact, Psalm 37, 23 reminds us that the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. And so he actually knows the way of the righteous. But notice what it says here. It says, but the way, same word, road or course of life, of the ungodly... Shall perish. And so you see, there's two outcomes, there's two roads. And in other words, the psalmist is telling us that the righteous life, or those who are righteous, that road is going to lead us closer and closer and closer to the Lord. The road, so to speak, or way of the ungodly is going to lead us away from God. Makes me think of Proverbs 14 and verse number 12. In fact, you can see this in Proverbs 16, 25 as well. The Bible says there is a way, there it is, same same word, there is a way which seems right to a man, but the end thereof are the ways, same word, just in the plural, but the ways thereof are the ways of death. Psalm 37, 5 instructs us to commit our way unto the Lord. Trust also in him and he shall bring it to pass. In other words, he's whatever is... He appoints whatever He determines. He's going to bring it to pass when we commit our way to Him. And that's really, the psalmist is saying, listen, if you're on team righteous, so to speak, you commit your way to the Lord. If you're on team ungodly, then you don't. ...commit your way or submit your way to the Lord. And so really the psalmist does not present us with any other options. So this morning if you're here, if you're watching online... ...I've got the good news and the bad news all wrapped up in one. There's two roads and the Bible is telling us that you're either on team righteous... ...not because you're good but because he is good, amen? Or you're on team ungodly. There's no other choice this morning for us to consider. There's two roads... And, you know, this is why a lot of people say, well, that's why I don't want to listen to the gospel message because it's so exclusive. Well, yeah, it is exclusive. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father but by him. But it's also very, very inclusive because it says, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Amen. I'm glad for that verse, aren't you? That we could call upon the name of the Lord. So, so we have two roads. The psalmist also tell us that, tells us that these two roads bring, around, bring about two results. Two results in life and in death. Look at verse number three. Because in verse number three, we're told that the righteous person is like a tree. Look at the verse, it says, and he, this blessed man, this righteous person, this one uh, is going to be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in season and his leaf shall not wither and whatsoever he does shall prosper. So think about it this way, our strategic positioning by God, that that idea being a tree planted by the rivers of water is the idea, it, it speaks of transplanting. You can't plant yourself. You know that? I can't plant myself. But the, the scripture, what it's saying is that we, when you're a righteous man, when you're a blessed man, you're like a tree that has been transplanted. God planted us by the rivers of water. Why do you think God would plant us by the rivers of water? So that we would, might be able to sustain life. That we draw life. Remember, he's the vine, we are the branches. Without him, Jesus, we can do nothing. And so look at verse 3. It says, he'll be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth his fruit in season. His leaves shall also not wither, and whatsoever he does shall prosper. So in other words, we get our strength, we get our stability, and our success. It all comes from who? It all comes from God who transplants us by the rivers of water. Uh, take your Bible, hold your spot there in Psalm 1, flip over to Colossians chapter 2. I want you to see these two verses. We'll not stay long, but just if you can, flip over to Colossians chapter 2. I want you to see what Paul writing to the church at Colossae, says. It's over here in the New Testament, right after Philippians. You'll find Colossians, short letter. And look at chapter 2. Colossians chapter 2. When you're there, say amen. amen. Okay, Colossians chapter 2. Look down at verse number 6. Because Paul writes, he says, As you therefore received Christ Jesus, the Lord, he says, so walk ye in Him. Verse 7. Rooted and built up in Him, established in the faith, as ye have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. Again, he's the vine, with the branches. But notice what Paul says in verse 7. He says, you've been rooted, you've been built up, You get your strength. The root gets its strength from the vine. And so he says, you've been built up. He says, you've been established. You've you've been established in the faith. And guess what? Now he says, you also abound. You succeed with thanksgiving. And so he says that as believers who are firmly planted in the soil of Jesus Christ are, by the way, Jesus is our never-ending source of nourishment. If you need nourishment this morning... uh, I was joking with Jeremiah, uh, Travis and Megan's little boy, you know, like he could really understand me. He, he, he understands more than you think. But I was eating a little, uh, I don't know if you've heard these things, they're called Belveda. It's like a breakfast cookie for aging adults like me. I guess. I don't know. My wife has started buying them, so I assume they're for aging adults. She's looking out for my health. And so I'm eating this little cookie, and I'm remembering that just the other day I saw Jeremiah eating like a little baby cookie. He's like eating baby cookie and drinking his milk. And I looked at Jeremiah this morning. I said, I said, you see, Jeremiah, nothing really changes. From the point of this where you're at right now to my age, you're still eating these little soft chewable cookies with your, except for I was drinking coffee, right? The Bible tells us that I get my nourishment spiritually from Jesus Christ. I've been rooted and built up. I've been established in the faith. I abound with thanksgiving, not because of me, not because of my genius, not because of my strength, not because of my wherewithal, but I do all of these things because Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Amen? And so we can take it to the bank and we can put this to practice in our life. Proverbs 10 in verse 29 says this. It says, the way, there it is again, that road or course of life, the way of the Lord is strength to the who? To the upright, to the righteous. But destruction shall be to the workers of iniquity. This idea of two roads, two results is is over and over and over again repeated in God's Word. Look back at verse 4 of Psalm 1. In verse 4, God's Word says that the ungodly or the wicked are like the chaff. Now, some of you may be saying, what's chaff? I've got chapstick in my purse, but what's chaff? Well, guys, if you'll show some of these pictures, and and I'll kind of describe. Leave it on this one right here. Uh, Back in the ancient world, farmers would make what is called a threshing floor. And they would find a a spot of ground where there was a depression. And if there wasn't a depression, they would actually dig it out. They would carve it out. They would make a depression in the the ground. And you can flip through the other pictures. And what they would do is that they would... uh, They would usually uh, strategically place this on a hill where maybe wind would come across and be able to be used as a tool. And as they would build this threshing floor, they would literally uh, wet the ground, pat, tamp it down, so to speak, get it really hard. And a lot of times they would place rocks in a circular position around the threshing floor. And... uh, Literally after, after everything was ready, they would take the stalks of grain and they would throw it into the middle here and they would get an ox or a couple oxen. And go to the next picture, I think you'll see a better uh, picture. So you see the cartoon picture where they've got a piece of wood that the ox are pulling. And so these, this wood mallet, so to speak, would run across these grains and it would separate the grain from the stalks. Then they would take what is called a winnowing fork. And they would throw it up in the air. And here's the the picture of the chaff, folks. The workers, as you see, these guys are leaning down. They got these winnowing forks, right? And they would throw everything up in the air and the wind would come along and blow the chaff away. But the grain... The, the barley, so to speak, the wheat grain, it would, being a little bit heavier, it would fall back to the threshing floor and then they would collect the grain and you see the separate pile out here. They're making a pile of grain. The picture from God's Word. Go back to verse 4. Look at verse 4. It says, The ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff that the wind drives away. In other words, and here's what they would do in, in the ancient times. The chaff, so to speak, In fact, show that last picture again. Sorry, guys. Show that last picture again. You see the cart? They're loading the chaff up, and you know what they're doing? They're taking it, and they're going to burn it up. That's what it's good for. And so verse 4, in a very vivid picture, says that the ungodly are like the chaff. That blow away, that are useless. They're empty. They're they're good for nothing but to be burned up. And so it's a bu- it's a spiritual picture of we have the righteous and the results of the righteous and the results of the chaff. And you can even go over to Matthew chapter three if you want and hear what uh, John the Baptist said. This is uh, John the Baptist talking about that one day that Jesus Christ is going to take his winnowing fork or his fan, if you please, and he's going to separate. The chaff from the wheat. And uh, he tells us this. In fact, Matthew 3.12 says that indeed he thoroughly or completely will purge his floor and gather his wheat into the garner. The garner is literally a word that means barn or a place of protection. And the chaff will be burned up. Right there in Matthew 3.12 says it will be burned up with unquenchable fire. Oh, it's pretty important that we understand the difference between being on Team Righteous... And being on team ungodly. Look back with me in verse number six. In the first half of verse number six, the Bible says that the way of the righteous is known. It's basically attended to and secured by the Lord. But if you look at the last part of the verse, it indicates that the ungodly person ends, his life ends in destruction and death. The result is unhappiness and misery. Can I tell you that I've never met a happy person that's ungodly? They might, they might be happy with their job. They might be happy with their temporary circumstance. But there is no eternal happiness for the ungodly person because the ungodly person is going to spend. Now listen, it's not, listen, I'm not God. But the reality of Scripture says that if we don't know Christ, we will spend an eternity separated from God. Which is why it's so important, guys, that we tell people about Jesus. Who would want anyone to go to a place separated from God for all eternity. I can't think of any. Truly the only road that results in real blessing and happiness is the road of the righteous. In fact, Proverbs 12 and 28, there's so many verses and we don't have time to cover them all this morning, but 12, 28 says in the way. Now this time, this word way means the well-traveled road. In the well-traveled road of righteousness, the Bible says is life. And in the pathway or the road or course of life thereof there is no death. However, if we look over at Proverbs 15:9, notice what scripture declares. It says the way, road of the wicked is an abomination. It's saying that the road of the wicked is disgusting. Well, who's it disgusting to? It's disgusting to the Lord. Right, and it says, "But he that loveth him that, but he loveth him that follows or runs after righteousness." Throughout Scripture, God tells us we're either going to be blessed or we're going to be condemned based on how we respond to Jesus and His Word. So, some of you are saying, "Well, what's the point, Pastor? I'm a believer. I've responded to Jesus in His Word. I'm I'm on Team Righteous. I'm I'm doing everything that I'm supposed to do. I mean, I, I've trusted Jesus by faith. What else is there to do?" Well, I'm glad you asked. You see, yes, there's only one gate, there's only one way, one truth, one life that results in blessing. And you say, well, I'm, I'm saved, I'm born again, so what's the problem? Well, the problem is what we want to look at lastly, and that's the two realities. You see, there's two roads and there's two results, but there's two realities. And the two realities are found when you compare verse 2 and verse 1. See, verse 2 declares that a righteous person is going to delight in the law of the Lord. Uh-oh. Oh, Oh, that's the reality I want to talk to you about. See, it says the righteous person is actually going to delight in the law of the Lord. And yet I look around in 2021 and I'm not sure that everybody on Team Righteous is delighting in the law of the Lord. Uh Uh-oh. See, we can look at the two... Roads, and we can look at the two results and we can celebrate and say, man, I'm in Christ Jesus. I'm rooted and I'm built up. I'm established in the faith. I'm abounding in thanksgiving. I'm so grateful for what Jesus did. I'm headed for heaven and I can't help it. But do you delight in the law of the Lord? You see, because verse 1 makes it clear that an ungodly person by his or her actions, if you look at verse 1, it it basically indicates that an ungodly person not only detests God, but they detest God's word and they detest God's people. See, you can see it right there. It says, blessed is the man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. Listen, we got to get away from listening to what the ungodly think. I'm tired of hearing about Christians falling off the ledge, so to speak, because they're so busy listening to what some ungodly person is telling them. Like, Like they are like God's gift to wisdom. No, if you want wisdom, come to God's word and seek it. Right, And so there's people who are walking that. There's people who are saying, man, I'm just so busy, pastor. I don't have time to delight in the law of the Lord. You don't have time not to. We must delight in the law of the Lord. And this is what the psalmist is saying over and over. And so this is the point I want us to zero in for just the last few minutes of time because the overwhelming lesson For Psalm 1, those six small, short verses, the overwhelming lesson is that for you and I, as believers, members of Team Righteousness, those who by faith have repented of our sins and have believed on the Lord Jesus Christ and asked Jesus to forgive us and to come into our heart and change us from the inside out, all of us, all of those that have trusted Christ as their Savior, the point is, this psalm is saying there ought to be in a, a number of differences between us and the ungodly. I ought to be able to tell if somebody is connected to the Savior or not. Like, well, I'm Pastor, I'm kind of a silent Christian. No, you cannot be silent. You cannot be silent. We were talking about that a couple of weeks ago in Psalm 100. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord. Right? We're going to have to shout. We're going to have to come before His presence with singing. And so a lot of people say, well, I'm just a secret. I'm just a secret saint. That's not possible. You can't be a secret saint of Jesus. People ought to be able to see Jesus living and through you. And the difference, look at verse number 2. The difference is right there in verse 2 where it says the righteous person delights in the law of the Lord. In other words, if I'm connected to Jesus Christ... If we're connected to Jesus Christ, if we're declared righteous because of our faith in the uh, uh, shed blood of Jesus Christ, if God considers us, calls us righteous because of what Jesus did, if we are now on team righteous, there's going to be a desire, I dare say, there's going to be a desire at some point to be reading, there's going to be a desire to listen, and there's going to be a desire to apply God's word to our life. There. I'm sorry I'm sorry to be the bearer of good and bad news at the same time but if we're not delighting in the law of the Lord we have to ask ourselves what am I delighting in because you see psalm 119 here's what it says in verse number 97 the psalmist says oh how love I thy law it is my meditation all the day Psalm 19, David, I love what he says about the word of God and he, and he talks about it in different ways. Look in, verse, in Psalm 19, 7 and following, he says, the law of the Lord, speaking of the word of God, is perfect. Converting the soul, the testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. Every one of these things, whether it be the law, the testimony, the statutes, the commandments, the fear, or the judgments of the Lord, they're all referring to God's word. And, Paul, and David says, he says, they're perfect, they're sure, they're right. They're clean and true and righteous. I put down this and I want, hopefully, that you'll take this with you. The Christian life, listen to me, the Christian life is not about you and I observing a list of do's and don'ts. I got saved so now the pastor says I have to do this, the pastor says I have to do that or I don't need to do that. I got to stay away from that. I got to and in the Christian life, I just really don't have any stomach for it because it's all about do's and don'ts. No, it's not. The Christian life is not about a list of do's and don'ts. The Christian life, the life well lived is about living in accordance with that which we love. I live in the law of the Lord. I replaced one law that was my schoolmaster, or he replaced it, thank you. And now I live under his law, which is love. So the question is, what do we truly love? Are we living in the law of the Lord? Because see, the Christian life is about living in accordance with what we say we love. Either we love the Lord thy God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, and with all of our mind, and we love our neighbors as ourselves, or we don't. We either uh, seek the kingdom of God and His righteousness, or we don't. We either desire and delight in the law of the Lord, or we don't. That's the reality here, because the righteous and the ungodly person are separated simply by this psalmist, by what they delight in. It all comes back to verse number 2. Blessed is the man walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight, verse number two, his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in it doth he meditate day and night. Oh yes, the ungodly delight in the wisdom. Oh, they, they delight in something. They delight in the wisdom, the words and the ways of the world. And we have to be careful of that. You know it's easy to delight in the wisdom of the world? Have you ever done it? Anybody want to be honest? You ever delighted in the wisdom of the world? Been there, done that, wrote a book about it, right? It's easy to delight in the, in the ways of the world too. But can I tell you, be careful, because the pleasure of sin is only for a season. It's only for a season. The roost is coming to crow, or whatever the old saying is, right? Soon and very soon, uh, you're, you're going to find yourself wanting. And so we can play those games all we want, but the ungodly delight in the wisdom, the words, and the ways of the world, while the righteous ought to love and take pleasure in what God has to say. I put down in my notes, listen, the word of God is food and nourishment for our hungry souls. Isn't that what Jesus said when he was being tempted by the devil out in Matthew chapter 4, 4? He said, we don't live. He said, listen, I don't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. You know, there's a time to eat a steak. There's a time to eat old hot dog. You're like, ooh, hot dogs? Yeah, there's a time to eat hot dogs. There's time to eat a bowl of cereal. There's a time, as long as it's uh, Captain Crunch with the berries and stuff, by the way. <laughs> Disclaimer, it's got to be sweet cereal for me. Listen, I'm not ready to eat granola and crunch and, and, and like paper, paper cereal. No, thank you. You have fun with that. You have fun with that. I want, I, want, I, want, I want the little goofy character on the bag or the, or the box, and, and I want it to be uh, sugar-filled. <laughs> our pastor's dying. He's eating cereal. <laughs> what did you learn today? I learned that you need to get a new cereal, pastor. You know, the Word of God is food and nourishment for our souls. It's treasure to be cherished. It's a guide for life. The Word of God, the Bible tells us the Word of God is quick. It's alive. It's powerful. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. Listen, if I want to do battle with the world, guess what? I've got the ultimate weapon right here. It's called the Word of God. And by the way, before you go fighting the world, just remember we don't fight against flesh and blood. People are so busy fighting one another, they forget to fight the problem. They're fighting people instead of the problem. The problem isn't my wife, although she's part of the problem. No. (laughs) I'm just teasing. My, my wife is never the problem. And for her, she could turn around and, well, maybe she could turn around and say, my husband's never the problem. I, I don't want to speak for her. You'll have to ask her. The problem is spiritual wickedness is in high places. And we spend so much time hating on one another. We ought to hate on the devil. It's who we ought to hate on. We ought to delight in the law of the Lord. When we understand more about Jesus, I tell people all the time, listen, the Bible says in in Philippians chapter 2 in verse number 5, it says that we're to have the mind of Christ. The only way that you and I are ever going to have the mind of Christ, if you're watching online, the only way that you will ever have the mind of Christ is to have the mind of Christ. That means you've got to get into it. That means you got to read it. That means you've got to absorb it. You've got to put it into practice in your own life. That's the only way you're going to have the mind of Christ. And man, I didn't want to get all riled up, but I have. Sadly, I really feel like this, guys. I feel like many believers are missing out they're missing out because let's be honest I could take a survey in this room I believe many believers are missing out and only you know the answer to what I'm gonna say and God knows I believe many believers are missing out because they are not delighting in the law of the Lord not taking time every day to get into God's Word. It doesn't matter what I say. What matters is what God has to say. I'm just His little messenger to you. I'm not, I'm not divine. I'm just Greg. I'm covered with the same flesh that you are, which is why I've got to be in God's Word too. We have to get into it each and every day. And it's one thing to talk about Jesus. It's another thing to learn about Jesus. So I put in my notes, and we're gonna finish this thing. How can we begin to, how can we begin to, or continue, if you please, to cultivate? A delight for God in His Word. You say, Pastor, I'm struggling. I don't even know how to cultivate a delight for God's Word. I mean, I hear what you're saying. I see what the psalmist is saying. There's team righteous and there's team ungodly. And the psalmist says team righteous is going to delight in God's Word, but I'm not doing it. So am I, am I not saved? That's a question between you and the Lord. But pastor, I'm saved, but I don't do that. I don't have that desire. I don't take pleasure in God's Word. It's hard for me to understand. I don't have you with me 24-7 explaining the difficult passages of Scripture. I want you to know something. I believe that God will give you wisdom if you'll get into His Word. And so I just put down here, you know, uh, Psalm 37, 4 says, "To To delight thyself in the Lord and he shall give thee the desires of the heart. You see, when we delight ourselves in the Lord, the reality is our desires will become consistent with his desires, which is why it's really easy for him to give us the desires of our heart. You see, typically though, what we do in life is we don't desire the Lord first, we desire the job, we desire the mate, we desire the house, the car, the trailer, whatever it is, you fill in the blank, we desire all these things that we think that we need, that are going to make us happy. And yet God is saying, no, no, I'm the only one that can make you happy. Can't you see that I loved you and that I gave everything for you so that you could know me, that you could have a relationship with me, that you could walk with me and talk with me and grow in me. He's saying, I want you to have all that you need. But you're focused on everything else except me. And the Bible says, delight thyself in the Lord and he shall give you the desires of your heart. Folks, God's Word is not a book of fables. It's not a book of myths. It's not a book of little children's stories and legends. It's the very Word of truth. It's God-breathed. It's infallible. It's inerrant. It's absolutely perfect. And if you look at verse 1, go back to verse 1, because verse 1 gives us some great insights as far as being blessed. It says, stay away from the counseling of the ungodly. Stay away from the way of sinners. Stay away from those, those scorners, those mockers. Do you know what sitting in the seat of the scornful is talking about? It's talking about becoming settled around people who mock God, who mock God's word, who mock God's servants, who mock God's people. And there's plenty of them out there. Just get, on, get in your car and ride up the road. You'll find them everywhere. All you have to do is say, I, you know what, man, I was at church, and, and I, man, I'm so excited about what Jesus is doing in my life. What? You believe in Jesus? What? Oh, listen, they're everywhere. We have to be careful. Verse 1 gives us some great insights about being blessed, but look, it also issues a warning. Because it's saying, it talks about the blessed man walks not in the council, does not stand in the way of sinners, does not sit in the seat of the scornful, but it connects with verse 2 because verse 2 begins, but, but his delight. See, the blessed man doesn't do all these things, doesn't hang out over here. His delight or her delight is in the law of the Lord. And so think about it this way. In verse number 1, that word blessed comes from a Hebrew word that at its root actually means to be straight or to be right. You want to be straight with God? You want to be right with God? You want to get straight with God? There's no better way to stay right and to get right with God than to be delighting in His Word. You say, why is that true? Well, because guess what? The more you dig in here, the easier it becomes to live a life that pleases God. Because you see the alternative spelled out for you loud and clear. The implication, though, is that the righteous person is going to be blessed. It's going to be blessed, going to be straight or right with God based on their delight in the law of the Lord and evil influences. Has anybody ever been influenced by evil? You say, man, I'm just not strong. Pastor, I'm not strong. I was around some of my old buddies. I was around some old friends. I was around some of my old girlfriends. And, man, the pull is hard. How do I stand when they pull me off the ledge? How do I stay in the law of the Lord when when the world just keeps pulling me down? They keep pulling me out farther and farther away from the God. That's why you have to delight in the law of the Lord. So you say, well, God's word isn't my highest pleasure. It's not what I desire the most. I want it to be, but I'm not sure how to go about doing that. So here, let me give you a few suggestions and I close. Here it is, number one. In order to realize the truth of verse 2, here's your answers. Number one, you need to change your diet. You know what? There's not a time that I get on social media that I don't see somebody advertising some kind of diet. Now, I'm going to be real transparent with you. About a week and a half ago, I clicked on one of those apps. You know, Corey reminds me every once in a while. He says, he says oh, Pastor, you're getting a little, little pooch there. Thank you, Corey, for that reminder. So uh, so I looked on there, I said, man, 55, oh pooch, I better better get on this app and get me a walking plan. And so I get all the way down, man. I see Jason with his fit, you know, he's lifting 5,000 pounds over a CrossFit and everything. I'm like, well, if he can do it, I can do it. You know, if a sailor can do it, I can, you know, that kind of thing. And so I'm like, I get, I get to the end of this app, and it literally, I'm thinking, oh, Praise the Lord, here comes my plan. You know, because it goes through, it says, what's your body type? Now this, I'll be real honest, it was a struggle for me. You know, when it has a little silhouette and it's got this athletic looking guy. And then it's got like a guy with a little pooch belly. And then it's got a guy with a big pooch belly. And I was like, which one am I? I'm like, I'm like, I'm the athletic guy. And then I remembered, no, I work with Travis. No, I'm not the athletic guy. And so, so I picked the middle one. I picked the middle one. And so I get down to the end of the app, and the, and the app says, now, uh, give us your Visa. I said, Visa? What's Visa got to do with my diet? I thought this was a free app. No, no, and it's not an app that you get for like $1.99 or $3.99. You've got to buy the app, and then you've got to buy the plan before they send it to you. I said, guess what? Clicked out of that thing. You want to delight in the law of the Lord? You're just going to have to change your diet. Can I tell you? To change your diet, (laughs) I put put here in my notes, we will never delight in something we never try. You'll never delight in something you never try. I don't delight in the law of the Lord, Pastor, because I never try to delight in the law of the Lord. By the way, you're not going to delight in something you'll never try. You want to know how I can tell you that for a fact? Because as God is my witness, I have never, ever eaten a Brussels sprout. (laughs) I know some Weisenheimer is going to send me an email with a beautiful recipe to throw garlic on brother sprouts, and it's going to be like, Mmm, Pastor, that's good. You ain't lived till you had some some old garlic-covered Brussels sprouts. God bless you, sir or ma'am. You enjoy I have no plans to try Brussels sprouts unless that's all that's left. Like, you know, it's like you're like out on one of these wilderness expeditions and you look around and it's like, oh, a patch of Brussels sprouts. Thank you, Lord. Oh, thank you. Right? I'm not going to try Brussels sprouts. Pray for me. I'll be the guy over in the corner eating my sweet cereal. Do you know that you'll never delight in something that you don't try? The Bible says in Psalm 34 and verse number 8, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Take a bite out of that because he's good. Listen, he's the author of all that's good and that includes his word, uh, speaking in reference to all the truths that I read in Psalm 19, how the word of God was perfect and right and true and pure and clean and righteous and on and on. Verse number 10 in Psalm 19, verse number 10 declares that his word is more to be desired And all of, than all gold, than much fine gold. And it says, sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. Psalm 119, 103. The Bible says, how sweet are thy words unto my taste. Sweeter than honey to my mouth. Jeremiah 15, 16 says, thy words were found. And you know what Jeremiah said? He said, I did eat them. And he said, thy word was unto me the joy and the rejoicing of my heart. Is the word of God the joy and rejoicing of your heart? Because the psalmist says if we're on team righteous... We're going to delight in the law of the Lord. So listen, I want to encourage you. You're not doing it, then change your diet. Secondly, I told you we're going rapid fire. What's the next thing I need to do? You need to pray for understanding. See, because if you try something new, it might not take hold right away because what, we're tend, what we typically do is we'll try something for a few days and then it's like, well, I'm not really delighting in the law of the Lord, so I'm just going to quit it. No, you got to pray for wisdom and understanding. That's what the psalmist knew, because in Psalm one nineteen, and verse number eighteen, this is what he says. He says, "Open thou mine eyes, that I may behold wondrous things out of thy law." He says, "God, you got to reveal it to me. You got to speak to me. You got to work to me, work in me. You got to open my eyes of understanding." And so, I encourage you. Listen, be like James. You know what James says in James one. In verse 5 and 6, he says, if any of you lack wisdom, what do he say? He said, ask God. If you lack wisdom, can I dare say, I mean, you guys are some smart people, but I got news for you. There ain't nobody in this room smarter than God. That means that we probably lack wisdom every once in a while. James says, if you lack wisdom, ask God. Why would James say this? Do you know that they call James camel knees? You want to know why they called James, the half-brother of Jesus, camel knees? Because he was a man of prayer. He was always praying, and he believed in the power of prayer. And so what he says here in James 1, he says, if any of you lack wisdom, ask of God. Because guess what? He says, he gives to all men liberally, and he upbraideth not. He says he doesn't withhold it. He says, it shall be given to him. In fact, that word, upbraideth not, that little phrase, literally means that he will not turn us away. If you come to the Lord in faith and you say, God, I want to feast on your word. I desire your word. I want to delight in your word. I really want to walk and talk with you. I want to grow. I want to have understanding to what you're trying to say to me. If you'll come to his throne in honesty, in sincerity, and by faith, and you will call on him and ask him to give you that wisdom, he will do it. But you know what? Typically, we don't ask. We don't ask for wisdom. We just think we're so smart that we got it figured out on our own. Guys, I I got news for you. I'm not that smart. And so I have to ask God all the time for wisdom. Do you know I have to ask God? Watch this. I have to ask God for wisdom in how I respond to my wife. Hello. Sir, you ever been there, done that the wrong way? Ladies, have you ever responded to your husband the wrong way? Don't answer. I already know. Young people, listen, I too was the smartest person in the world when I turned 13. I didn't realize that was a fallacy until I was about 30. You ever thought, man, dad and mom are so stupid. Man, by the way, don't say stupid. That's don't say that. They're so dumb. Right? If any man lacks wisdom, the Bible says, ask God. Ask God, He'll give you wisdom. Proverbs 2 and verse 6 and 7 says, For the Lord giveth wisdom, out of His mouth cometh knowledge and understanding. He lay up sound wisdom for the righteous. As believers, His wisdom is there for the taking, but we got to ask it. we got to go and get into His Word. Jesus tells us in Matthew chapter 7, Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek and ye shall find, knock and it shall be open unto you. For everyone that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth, and to him that knocketh it shall be open. Listen, we got to not only change our diet, but we got to pray and ask God for understanding and wisdom. Thirdly, you know what else we need to do? We need to, now this is going to hurt. You guys go ahead and show it before I say it. We got to memorize some good old fashioned scripture. The Bible says in Psalm 119, verse 11, says, Thy Word have I hid in my heart? Where? That I might not sin against thee. Say, Pastor, I've tried. It's just hard for me. I can't memorize scripture. Okay, we're going to do this as a collective class. Watch me and then repeat. I'll, I'll start, you follow. Like I'm leading the exercise, you guys repeat, okay? I'll say it, you repeat after me. Jesus wept. Jesus wept. All right, let's. I, I want to make sure you're, you're good. Jesus wept. Jesus wept. John, 11, John 11, 35. 35. John, 11, John 11, 35, 35. is what? Whoa! Oh, y'all go, out, y'all go out there on the highway and by way say, look, our pastor led uh, memorization today and we learned a lot. That wasn't really hard, was it? And some of you didn't even want to participate. I'm not going to say Jesus wept. <laughs> I'm not playing along in his little silly reindeer games. Hmm. Well, congratulations you probably won't want to play along with God's silly little reindeer game either that says memorize scripture. Hey, you know what? In case you've been asleep at the wheel for the last year and a half, you better memorize all the scripture you can get. Because there ain't no guarantee that they ain't coming after this. In fact, all the decisions I see be made tells me they are coming after this. They want to do away with this. They want to do away with us gathering together in Jesus' name. They want to do away with us praising His name, singing to Him. They want to do away with us living for Him. See, that's the ways, the wisdom, and the words of the world. That's not the ways, the wisdom, and the words of God. We better wake up and try to memorize a little scripture. Say, well, I can't do it. Just take a short verse for crying out loud. And memorize one verse a, a, a week. If you can't do it a day, just memorize one verse a week. You know how you can do it? Just keep repeating it over and over and over. That's how you learned your ABCs. That's how you'll learn anything. Memorize it It's crazy the things that we remember. Do you know that I remember song lyrics from the 1970s? Songs that I haven't heard in 30 years. And as soon as I hear it, I'm like, I start singing like, that's crazy, how can I remember that? and that yet in the same breath I say I can't memorize Scripture. That's the devil telling you that. That's not God telling you that. So listen, change your diet, pray for understanding, memorize Scripture, and here's the biggest one. It says delight in the law of the Lord. Hey, the biggest one is meditate on God's Word. Listen, if I really delight in something, it's going to be an ongoing part of my life. I delight in the love of my life, my wife, do you know she's been an ongoing part of my life for a long time? Here next week, I can't count the days right off the bat. It's like a week and a few days. We're going to celebrate our 30th anniversary. To God be the glory. <laughs> Praise the Lord. But do you know that we have known each other and really been close I said the other day, I said, man, I'm starting to feel old. Well, it's at 38 years now. 38 years. In 2023, it'll be 40 years. 40 years that I have really been connected in a real close way with my wife. Do you know that I I told my mother-in-law last night, I said, Krista's a thief. She's a thief. She stole my heart and wouldn't give it back. (laughs) Do you know something? If you delight in something, it's gonna be an ongoing part of your life. God told Joshua in Joshua chapter one and verse number eight, notice what the Bible says. He says, the book, the book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night. Remember, Moses is dead and God's trying to encourage Jeremiah. He says, be strong. Be courageous. He says, Listen, here's going to be your key to success. He said, The book of the law shall not depart from you. You're going to meditate on it day and night. He says, That thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein, for then shalt thou make thy way prosperous, and then shalt thou have good success. Listen, I alluded to it last week in my message. I'm not talking a prosperity gospel, but if you want to be prosperous spiritually speaking, you want to have success spiritually speaking, then you need to be delighting in the law of the Lord. You need to be meditating on it. You say, well, pastor, what does that look like? Well, meditating on God's word means that we're not only thinking about God's word, but we're rethinking what he says. We're actually also taking it, rethinking it, allowing it to shape our thoughts, our words, and our actions. You know, because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And if the mouse speaks it, then the action's not too far followed, right? So we're allowing the Word of God to permeate everything that we do. And so I was reading, and and, uh, I saw this illustration, and you might think it's a little strange, but when we meditate on God's Word, we are very similar to cows. We're very similar to cows chewing uh, their cud. As you may or may not know, cows have one stomach, but their stomach has four compartments. And so literally what happens is when the cows graze and they feed, they literally swallow whatever they chew. They're literally grabbing it and they swallow it without breaking it down. They literally swallow it whole. And it goes down into the largest compartment of their stomach. Did you know that that largest compartment of their stomach can hold up to 25 gallons of matter? (laughs) I was like, what? 25 gallons. But here's what they do. They swallow it whole. And then, later on, guess what they do? (laughs) (laughs) They regurgitate it, and they chew on it. Now, here's the deal. They bring it back up, and they chew the cud. Now, here's what happens. After they chew it again, then it gets dispersed to the right compartment of their stomach in order that they might have strength. Hold on a second. When we meditate upon the word of the God, we take it in, right? Watch this. You take it in. Mmm, it's good. And then as you're on I-66, I've been there, done that. So I'm not just talking, I know what it's like. When you're on I-66 and Sonny cuts you off, Jamie. (laughs) Right? You got to bring it up. You're like, I got to chew on that word. Be be kind. Be tender hearted. Forgiving one another as Christ Jesus has forgiven you. Man, if you only pull up Ephesians 4.32 on I-66, you'll be doing yourself a good favor. But you know, you take what you read, you think on it. You think on it. You allow it to become part of your day. That's why I tell people, listen, don't try to break any land speed records with Scripture. Just take a little bit in. Like you telling me that you read three chapters a day does nothing for me if it does nothing for you. You can read a lot of Scripture and still get nothing out of it. It can become like a spiritual exercise. You can read Scripture to prepare for teaching a class and it has no, no uh, effect on you. No, you've got to get into God's Word and you've got to say, What does God want to say to me today? And then after you swallow it, then you got to bring it back up and you got to be like, "Mm, what was he saying to me? What's going on? What's going on in this passage culturally, historically, grammatically? What's he really trying to say to me today in 2021? Just like the cow is trying to to chew that cud and disperse it to the right compartment of their stomach, you and I must disperse it to the right part of our life that needs help. Oh, we might need help mentally, we might need help physically, we might need help other ways, but the reality is we've got to absorb God's Word, we've got to disperse it. In fact, it was the Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 7 who said these words in 22. He says, I delight in the law of God after the inward man. The inward man, the renewed man. He's talking about the transformation of being renewed in the spirit of his mind. Paul didn't say, I obey it. He didn't just say, I obey it. He said, I delight in it. I love it, I desire it, because it had transformed his life. The psalmist said in Psalm 119, 16, he said, I will delight myself in thy statutes, I will not forget thy word. The psalmist did not only delight in God's word, this verse tells us, look at the verse, it tells us that he took steps to safeguard it. He said, I will not forget thy word. He says, I'm delighting in it, but I'm also going to take necessary steps so that I don't forget that Jesus wept. I'm gonna take necessary steps to remember that I need to be kind and tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as Christ Jesus forgave me. Oh, listen, it's so incredibly important, the idea of, of changing our diet, asking God for wisdom, memorizing Scripture, and then meditating upon God's Word. I want you to notice the progression of the psalmist because we're reading Psalm 119 over and over and over today. I want you to see, and we'll take it in order. Look at verse 47. He says, I will delight myself in thy commandments. Why? Which I loved. Now drop down to verse 71. He said, it is good for me that I have been afflicted that I might learn thy statutes. He says, when I was afflicted, it reminded me that I needed to stay in God's word. I needed to take my delight in God's word. The very next verse, verse 72, he said, the law of thy mouth is bettered unto me than thousands of gold and silver. He said, it's more valuable than anything else I could get. And then in verse 92, he said, unless thy law had been my delights, He said, I should have perished in my affliction. And then if you go to verse 162, he says, I rejoice. He says, I rejoice. I get excited at thy word as one that findeth great spoil. He's talking about the value of God's word in his life. And the question I have for each and every one of us is, is God's word a priority in your life? Is it a priority more than just Sunday when I get up here? Is it more of a priority for you each and every day? Because I can tell you this, I can honestly tell you this, the times that I have not gotten into God's Word have been some of the hardest times in my life when I've decided to take matters into my own hand. Anybody ever else done that? Anyone else ever done that? There have been times where I tried to navigate this road, this course of life on my own, without God, without His Word kind of uh, permeating my life. And in those instances, when I tried to do it on my own, I always made a mess of things. But do you know that even when my wife and I had disagreements, even when our children and us had disagreements, when I allowed the word of God to permeate my thoughts, my words, and my actions, interestingly enough, go figure, I found success. Coincidence? I think not. Oh listen, do you desire? Do you desire do you desire God's word? Do you delight in God's word? I pray that you do. If you're not, if you're here today and you said, man, I'm feeling a little bit convicted about this desiring and delighting in God's word. Man, that's the Holy Spirit. If you're feeling convicted, that's the Holy Spirit saying, Yes, man, buy up the opportunity, change your diet, pray for wisdom. Man, memorize little bits of scripture so that you can recall recall them day in and day out. Meditate on my word. That's the Holy Spirit telling you that. That's not me. And so I pray that if that's your case today, that you'll just ask God, God, break my heart for what breaks yours. Put that desire, put that hunger back into my heart so that each and every day I will delight in your word. And if you're here today and you've never trusted Christ, can I tell you, you'll never delight yourself in the law of the Lord until you realize that God is who he says he is and that he loved you so much that he sent his son Jesus to die for you. Until you reach out, until you call out and ask the Lord to forgive you, to come into your life and to change you from the inside out, you'll never delight, you'll never desire the word of God. I pray that whether you're here today and you need Jesus, or whether you're here today and you know Jesus, that as those who are on Team Righteous, that our reality is that we would desire the word of God. Father, we thank you for your word. God, I I pray that you will use it, the message today, to continue to permeate our minds and our hearts. God, that it would sink deep within us. God, that we would desire to honor you. God, that we would desire to be in your word more and more. God, that our extreme, our ultimate happiness would come from knowing more about you, walking with you and talking with you. And God, not just for the sake of uh, elementary routine, but God, because we desire it. And that it is most important to us god i pray that you would be with those who are here or those who are online maybe that have never called out upon the name of the lord god that they might realize that you love them so much that you sent jesus to die for them that they might call upon the lord today that they might receive christ as their savior god i pray that you would do that as only you can lord i pray for the next couple of moments that you will uh, just draw our hearts close to thee during this time of invitation that you would be pleased and honored by the prayers of your people, by the desires of your people. And God will be careful to give you the praise and the honor and the glory for it all. For it's in Jesus' name that we do pray and for his sake. Thank you so much for listening. If you'd like more information about our ministry, check out our website at battlefieldbaptist.org or follow us on Facebook and Instagram. We'll see you next time.